You embarrass dudes by running them over, by calling out the play like you did with Clay Matthews before you snapped the ball, and you yeah. celebrated your ass off, and bro, dudes could not stand that from you. It was Mike Tolbert and Cam Chancellor. They kind of met at the hole. <laughs> Bam! That's all you heard. And I was like, oh, shit. They hitting, hitting, boy. One thing about it, though, it ain't a lot of dudes that done did what I done did. Making an impact the way I did. Not only that, making an impact in the league. It was like, yo, bro, like. Before Cam, before we started this, I hit up Cam. I like, hey, bro, we the same class, class of 2011. Best draft class, by the way. Um, tackle this dude couple, couple about 50 times. I ain't getting no sacks, no picks, but um, always battled against a dude, but we never really connected like that. So, brother, finally, nice to meet you, and I appreciate you hopping on the show. Absolutely, man. KJ, I, uh, I was tapping into before, but uh, we actually, you was at uh, Mississippi State when I took my official visit to Mississippi State. And um, obviously, you know, the rest is history, but shit, it was down to Auburn and Mississippi State. And it was uh Walk me through it, brother. I saw you there with the cowbells. You were smiling in the student section. Walk me through it, man. What what, what was the final straw? What what happened? What was your running back uh 24? That's Booby Dixon. So Booby, right? <laughs> this is this is never before heard, whatever. After after that game, y'all play Ole Miss, right? Yeah. Booby was my host. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay. Where are we going? So I went back to Booby's house, and I guess his uh, he had like an uncle or something, like a drunk. He was drunk at that particular point in time, right? What's my, What's the quarterback number four? Ooh, not Dak Prescott. Um, black black guy. Black dude. No, he, he was 14. He was 14. 14. That's Chris Ruff. Chris Ruff was 14. Listen, so mm-hmm. – when I go back to Booby's house, you know, the uncle just got to talking. He was like, man, who the fuck is him? Da-da-da-da-da. Man, I don't believe in it, man. You give me rough. I was looking at him. Stop it. Like, Stop it. On, on my soul. On my soul. On my firstborn. He, got, he kept it going. He was like, man, bro, to be honest with you, Cam Newton, I take rough over Cam Newton. And I'm sitting up here saying, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, yo, bro, like, Y'all want me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just like, and then, but uh, Booby was saying, like, bro, we one quarterback away from really being a contender. You dig it? So he, he was about, he had your back. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Booby was so <laughs> holding it down, but his uncle, I just kept like looking at him, like, bro, like, that Hennessy taking over, my boy. You having like an out of body experience right now. You, you know no. what I mean? And I just remember everything was good, bro. First off, Stark Vegas treated me. Well, it's love there. It's love there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I just that was just something that I was like, man, what in the hell? And so you telling on, you, you, know? you telling me that before you got there, you was considering like, okay, Mississippi stay here, Auburn maybe like right here. But that shit just it just went all the way here. Not not with that specific uh, situation. You know what I'm saying? Because really, the determining factor came down to Auburn having so many seniors. And um, Mississippi State was really a contender. Obviously, what Dan Mullen was doing there at the time was was unprecedented. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Really, you for really, him. absolutely, in Florida. But going through it at, at the age of I, I was twenty, nineteen, and twenty at that point in time, and I was like, bro, like, 
he didn't know. Did nobody really know at that time like who Cam Newton really was gonna be? But hell, I believed in myself enough. It was like, bro, this motherfucker here hating. Like, the fuck are we talking about? And I guarantee you, if you ask Booby, Booby knows exactly what I'm talking about. I <laughs> swear to beans. But I never really had a platform to kind of speak on it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously, with you going to Mississippi State, you know the rest is history. Yeah, but dog, uh, appreciate you. Appreciate you joining us, man. But hey, we gotta talk about your squad, man. I hate, to, I hate to start like this, but the Carolina Panthers, 0-3, came here to Seattle last week. We just had a 10-year reunion, by the way. And uh, so it was a it was the worst time to come here. But um tell me, though, what you saying with your squad right now? I believe in Bryce, but I think you gotta you got you have to raise him with care. I think a person like Bryce could be scarred, just like any other quarterback could be scarred if if thrown to the wolves too early, right? Uh, we all know, hell, you had a perfect example of this. Uh, Russell Wilson came into a system that he, he inherited. He inherited a good situation. We all know anytime you're the first pick, that means you're going to a shit team. I went through it. Peyton Manning went through it. All the number one picks went through it. And this day and age, it's about who and what, can you do right now? But I think when you're dealing with a talent like Bryce Young, it's the long tenure rather than right now success. You feel me? So when you look... Let me slow you down, Cam. Let me slow you down. Let's look at your roster. You had your year 2011. You had Hall of Famer, Steve Smith, future Hall of Famer, Steve Smith. You had Geo. You had D'Angelo Williams. When you look at Bryce, does he have, does he have somewhat of enough around no. him not even close. No. no. And I, I, I see the receiver skill set. Yes. You see the Thielen. You see Clark. You see um, the tight end there. But from top to bottom, for him, it, it's, not, it's not set up for him to be successful, especially not his rookie year, in my honest opinion. And like I said, everything that Carolina is and building – Will they get to that point? Yes. But right now, th- mm-hmm. th- yes. And in, in throwing, you know, him into the wolves like and expecting instant success, that's not the quarterback position, unfortunately. What I will say is going to take a, a season for him to kind of see the preparation, seeing the tempo of the game, seeing, you know, just in-game adjustments at its finest and – Shucks. I mean, you, 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 you take anybody, you know. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. Does Patrick – do we know – if Patrick Mahomes would have been instant starter, would he have had the success that he's had now? I would beg to differ, right, to say like, yo, I don't, I don't think he would. Having a guy like Alex Smith to play in front of him, having – you know, building a defense, building the skill set around him, special teams and things like that. You know, putting him in the best situation possible, similar to, like I said, I go back to Russell Wilson, where he didn't necessarily have to win games. He just didn't have to lose games, too. With that type of defense, you had uh, Earl, you had Cam, you had yourself, you had uh, Had Bobby. Bobby, Man, I mean, the list goes on. Uh, Mm. Cliff, you had. Mike B. We had some dudes. (laughs) And uh, I'm I'm, I'm forgetting about the. Shucks, the 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 uh, the DB six three six four on the edge, just rangy guys. Richard Sherman, like you had, oh yeah, you had a a defense that was going to give the offense chances. 
obviously when you got when, when you factor in Marshawn Lynch, uh, when you when you factor in Doug, when you factor in you know everything that you guys kind of had on top of the fan support. Man, you was already starting, you know what I'm saying, sit down six points in, the, in, in, in Seattle just by mere effect of, of, of everything being equal. Put your GM hat on for me. In your era, in our era, you had them dudes. You had yourself. You had Ted Ginn, Gio, Jonathan Stewart. You had on the deep, you know, Thomas Davis. Bro, how did you guys take this team, right? Went to the Super Bowl, 15 and 1. But it just seemed like yesterday y'all was just in the Super Bowl. What happened during that time? Like, okay, we got this squad, but you look at where we are now in the blink of an eye, we own three to start the season. What went on management-wise with the franchise to lead us to where we're at now? All right. And, and, so, keep, and, keep, and keep, keep, it above, you know, keep it as real as you possibly can. You know what I'm saying? Man, I'm going to keep it funky for you, bro. Like, I think respectfully – Everything that David Tepper has brought to the Panthers organization has been good, right? And that was a rookie owner. So for, for him to understand the importance that talent isn't always the, the, the best deciding factor of acquiring a player, you, you have to take into mind leadership skills. You have to take into mind, is he a good teammate? You have to take into mind also skill set, right? One thing that I admired about um, the Seattle Seahawks was it was like a brotherhood from looking from afar. You would see y'all motherfuckers arguing on the sideline. You know, there's a clip that's out there right now with uh, Marshawn Lynch talking shit to Richard Sherman. Like, damn, bro. Like, yeah. you know, that <laughs> accountability is winning success. Pete Carroll knows that, right? And over time, that that's what that that's what was our deciding kind of caveat to get us to that successful season in 2015. Luke held me accountable. I had TD accountable. You had Michael Orr. You had uh, Greg Olson. You had uh, Jonathan Stewart. You had you know so many different people. And Khalil. Ryan Khalil, like, yep. and he was the, the the epitome of the ultimate pro, right? Trey Turner, you had so many different, uh, uh, Kawan Short, uh, Star Latulale, like, it's so many players that played their role, and it never was, you know, about me. It was a more or less about me. Now, when you take on, you know, my type of personality, some would say, like, Cam think he bigger than the team. Well, I never – I never took that character and made it go against the team. You know what I'm saying? Anybody who knows me or who have played with me know, bro, I'm an ultimate player. You feel what I'm saying? Now, when you when you have star players, it's, it's for your star players to be held accountable and to hold others accountable too. And like I said, TD, Ryan Khalil, Greg Olson, they were people who I looked to to say, they're doing it right. They're doing it this way. They're working out like this. They're practicing like this. So therefore, I have to practice like this too. So over time, to my point, when you bring in new energy, when you bring in new personnel, they may not know the importance of an older veteran player, even though his production may not necessarily be up to par, but he's the glue in the locker room. You know what I'm saying? And it's so much that I had to learn throughout my tenure in the league was locker room uh, 
connectivity is just as poor, just as important as on the field connectivity. It's everything. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, knowing how to communicate with players, the same, the, the way I communicate with Ryan Khalil is completely different than how I com- uh, communicate with Luke. The way that Luke uh, communicates with Shaq is completely different than how Shaq, uh, you know, speaks to Roman Harper. You know what I'm saying? And the list goes on. So for me, it was like understanding and identifying the importance of harmony within your team. And this is how we did in Seattle. Coach Carroll would come up to us. Hey, KJ, Bobby, we're thinking about bringing in this dude. Hey, Russ, what you think about this free agent right here? And he would take our opinion into consideration. Did you or anybody else in the organization have that kind of pull to like, ah, coach this dude? I don't know about, oh, coach, we need to go get this dude and make it happen. Did, did you or anybody else have that kind of pull or relationship with the coaches or GM to like, this dude fit our franchise? At one point in time, we did. But I think, and I'm not trying to throw anybody under the bus, that was lost when Tepper came in. Because to Tepper's defense, he didn't necessarily know. I don't even know if he still knows that. You, you see what I'm saying? Because when you treat, when you have accountability throughout the whole organization, it's apparent and you see it on Sundays. You see what I'm saying? Head coach, no head coach, GA, uh, GM, it doesn't necessarily matter. Right is right and wrong is wrong. If you're bringing in a guy that don't mesh, Get the fuck out of here. You know what I'm saying? And we should be able to go to any powers that be to be able to speak on that tone. Now, but that also comes with comfort. That also comes with understanding. That also comes with everybody pulling from the pool of we just want to win. You see what I'm saying? Now, when you feel like, nah, shut the hell up. You just do your job. I'm going to do mine. That's when, you know, that. that That's when it fall apart. You see what I'm saying? That's when that mm-hmm. that regular red or blue or white shirt turns into tada. You know what I mean? Because it's just like everybody is not on the same page. You feel me? And Cam, Cam, walk. We, let's go down memory lane. Let's let, let's take it. Let's take it back to our era real quick. Seahawks versus the Carolina Panthers. We won in the same division, but that for damn sure was a rivalry. We talking Greg Olson versus Cam Chancellor. We talking. Jonathan Stewart versus Bobby Wagner, Richard Sherman versus Ted Ginn. Bro, how would you? Because anytime we came, it was hot as hell. It was muggy. Sun was beaming. Anytime y'all came to us, it was loud and popping. Y'all got the windows, you know, and we beat y'all as well. But how would you sum up that rivalry that we had in our era? Man, listen, that was football. <laughs> I, man, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I'll take you back to one play. Uh, I forget, uh, it was Mike Tober. Um, he was kind of like our imposer, right? And it was early on in the game. I don't remember what year it was. It was like a fourth and one, a third and one. And it was it was Mike Tolbert and Cam Chancellor. They kind of met at the hole. <laughs> Bam! That's all you heard. And I was like, oh, shit. Yep. Boy, they hitting, hitting. Boy, I just remember anytime playing Seattle, the, the real Legion of Doom, you had to wear all your, your pads. Cups, yeah. knee pads, hip pads, all that shit. All that cute shit was just out the door because we knew it was going to be a 7-13 to 13 type of game. One one possession. Um, and, you know, rarely I think we played y'all on Sunday night where y'all just beat the fuck out of us one time. But other than that, man. That's the game you just, didn't start. That's the game we you came out and like, who? What, we was like, where the hell Cam at? Uh, some backup quarterback came in. Yeah. And, and um, it, was a it was a fucking tie, bro. 
Yeah, and it was. I, a, I heard about pit. it. I heard about it. Oh my god, bro! It was just a, a shit show. Just <laughs> on. What are we really talking about? And people really can't fathom. Like, yo, he didn't start because he didn't wear a tie. And I'm saying to myself, like, yes, bro. Like that's the shit that we was battling behind the scenes. And I'm like, yo, let's keep football, football. And especially when you were just as swaggy as I am, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm, I'm. I'm going to be fresh as fuck. Nah. Come on now. Nah. But it was like I wore nothing really exotic. It was like a, a it was a turtleneck. And the GM at the time, um, he he made it a mandatory rule on the road that everybody had to wear a tie. And I was like, I'm not, I don't have a tie. Like, what do you want me to do? So that was just a, a, a perfect example of like, you just do what I say type shit where it's like, yo, he should have counseled the captains. You know what I'm saying? That's why you got captains in place for him. But uh, yeah, that's what it was. And Ken, walk me through. This is one of your best plays I ever seen you made. It's 2015. Y'all down by three points. It's two minute drill. You win Seattle, balls in your hand. You got 80 yards to go. Three points get you a tie. Touchdown, you get the win. But, dog, you put together a drive like no other. Teams don't do that against us. You know what I'm saying? This is a play 2015 to, to Greg Olson. Walk me through that drive, but in particular, walk me through that play when it was Greg Olson. You pumped to the left and just dropped a dime right up the scene to Greg Olson, bro. Walk me through that huddle and what's going on in, on y'all side of the football. So, I mean, anytime you, you get into a two-minute uh, situation, you know – the offense pretty much can dictate to the defense. Now, you know your defense, right? Well, y'all was stubborn to playing this hybrid cover three slash quarters kind of combination coverage, right? That's what made you guys so great is because everybody knew what the fuck y'all was going to be in, but you still couldn't stop it. You know what I'm saying? You guys were able to generate a four-man rush without – uh, sacrificing an extra defender, a blitzer, uh, a nickel, or an extra linebacker to, to generate pressure. Now, that specific drive, I'm going to take you back in that game, Graham Gano had missed the point after. So we really were supposed to be only down by two with the potential game-winning field goal to win the game, but he missed the, uh, the field goal, the PAT, and that's really what put us in a position – to, uh, you know, to be down by three. So with that whole drive, um, Coach Shula at the, at the time and, and Ken Dorsey was my quarterback coach, so he was in my ear. All they were saying all week was just find completions. On this defense, just find completions, right? You know you're going to have completions to be had, just find them. And it was, it was a relatively high-scoring game, uh, upwards of a high, high 20s and in, 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 um, the 30s. So, given the opportunity with, with, you know, a minute and some change, you know, it was just fine completions. So, um, Jericho Cotri had a clutch third, third down, a fourth down kind of uh, reception, and we just jumped the ball, and we caught you guys in a uh, communication error, so to speak, because you guys never run Tampa 2, right? So, that specific route was – was set up to beat uh, cover three, right? It was like uh, Greg had a double move, but Greg's IQ on the field is just so crazy that when he seen uh, Earl rolling back to the middle of the field, 
he just kept it on the scene, right? Running away from Sherman. And that's pretty much what it was, dog. He was like, I don't know, bro. Like, you you know, man, in those locker rooms after the game, that's what I really miss most. But going into a hostile environment where, bro, y'all fans was obviously giving us a run for our money to, to get a much-needed touchdown in that specific situation was just like icing on the cake. Yeah, and Cam, I'm going to keep it real with you, bro. I didn't play some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. I didn't play some slouches. But whenever we played you, bro, I don't know if you felt this. I want you to really think about it. I don't know if you felt this, but for some reason, bro, when people tackled you, when people hit you, when people, like, really faced Cam Newton, it was an extra little type of energy when they faced you. Yeah. It was actually a little, yeah. it was actually a little, a little, a little but shit But I wanted talking. it. I, I wanted it, though. I, but, but hold up, hold up, hold up. I, I know you wanted it, but why do you think it came with Cam? I'm like, hold up. Y'all, like, y'all ain't said nothing about nobody else but Cam. Why did you want it? Why do you think it, it came in particular with you? But I will say this. Um, that's, that's just a competitor, bro. Like, I wouldn't want nobody to take it easy on me. Not that anybody would. I think in that type of situation, like, that's just what the game was. Any real competitor wants to play the best. You feel what I'm saying? And my playing style was I don't feel like I'm in the game if I don't touch the ball, meaning running the football or even throwing the ball. I'm not the quarterback that, you know, you hand the ball off first down, hand the ball off second down, and then all of a sudden you're expecting me to make – you know what I'm saying, a throw on third down. I prefer to touch the ball on first or second down, have my, you know, heart rate up so now I'm, I can focus on the third down throw. You see what I'm saying? And it took it really took some time for the coaches to kind of find out, okay, this is the type of animal that we have because usually some would think my playing style isn't sustainable. But I never got hurt in the pocket. You know what I'm saying? I looked at it through the lens where – I felt like I could protect myself more if I had that if I was a runner versus you know being in the po uh, pocket stagnant. Um, but all in all, bro, I just I just go back to those hits were a little harder. You know what I'm saying? That that energy and that and that um, that kind of tempo was just a little bit more uh, thick, a little bit, so to speak. Because, yeah, Cliff, hey, man, you know Cliff, doggone uh, Michael Bennett, like all them guys, bro, they talking shit from, from the first snap to the last snap. You see what I'm saying? From the jump. And it, it was intimidating to a degree for a lot of players. But for us, man, we that particular time, we was ready for it. Let me tell you what it was, bro. Let me tell you what it was from our side. We, when it came to Cam Newton, it started with you in college. It started with you in Auburn. Everybody seen this dude, six foot four, 245 pounds, got this nice pearly white smile. And dog, yeah. anytime you stepped into the end zone, bro, you, you low-key embarrassed dudes, bro. You embarrassed dudes by running them over, by calling out the play like you did with Clay Matthews before you snapped the ball, and you yeah. celebrated your ass off. And bro, dudes could not stand that from you. So you better believe it. Like, if I'm going to hit this dude, if I'm going to get a chance to tackle this dude, I'm going to put some extra energy on it. And I know on your end, you, you didn't care. I'm going to get in this end zone. I'm going to smile. I'm going to talk myself. I'm going to do my dance. That's what it was when it came to Cam Newton. Yeah. That's what it was when it came to yeah. you. So, Well, for me, the coach, <laughs> the coach would say, 
act like you've been there before. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, shit, I don't know if this is going to be my last time getting in this motherfucker. So shit, I had to smile. I had to, you yeah. know, have fun with it because that that's when I played my best ball. You feel me? And, you know, it took years and I'm saying years for Coach Rivera to understand that. It took years for Mike Shula to understand that. Rob Chizinski, uh, Ken Dorsey, those guys to understand, like, man, we just got to let this motherfucker be him. Because when he's smiling, that means he, we as a team are doing something good. And I will hear scouting reports, you know what I'm saying? You stop Cam, you stop the team. You feel what I'm saying? And that's a, that's a big responsibility to have, but I never looked at it like that. I looked at it as – if if I can get in my groove, right, to to take over a game in ways that the game was just coming to me, then shit, a smile, a damn dance, a damn, you know, doing something extra was just all a part of the plan. Mm-hmm. And bro, let's um sticking with 2015, right? MVP of the league, whooping ass, taking names, best player on the football. Only one person can receive this accolade, and it was Cam Newton. But, bro, what you did on the field, field was legendary, but I really want you to put young cats on game with this. With this, Take me to your offseason, right? Take me into what went into the way you prepared leading up to that season. What you ate, the way you trained, how you watched film from high school to college. Even dudes in the league now can take what you did in the offseason and apply it to their game, bro. Really put dudes on and take them to their offseason, like, okay, this is what I did. This is how I put together this phenomenal football season. So, you know, really it was, it was one of those situations where um, it was kind of like Michael Jordan and the Pistons, right? You know, we all saw the last dance, and he knew he had to equip himself mentally and physically with an attitude that he got to get prepared you know what I'm saying, for, you know, what's to come. And even when we weren't in the playoffs, I never stopped working out. So uh, for me early on in my career, I didn't stop working out until the Super Bowl. So every single day, every single week, making sure my diet was still the same, just preparing myself mentally and spiritually like, yo, if this is where I want to get to, like I got I to gotta go through it through that realm. Uh, I knew we were a team that was always trending up. <clears throat> so in the offseason, I think David Gettleman had kind of put me on game and was like, there's two type of football players. There's football players and then there's professional football players. The professional football players treat this game as a 365-day-a-year sport. And when he told me that, I was like, yo, like, okay, cool. Then Now I have to make sure my diet right. I implemented uh, becoming vegan around 2013 to 14, just to make sure that, okay, I would never not be in my best shape. You see what I'm saying? And then adding that to the season was something that, okay, I know I have to prepare like a quarterback. Physically, I had to prepare like a running back. And endurance-wise, I had to prepare like a receiver. So all those things taken on, I look at a guy like Lamar Jackson probably is the only person that could kind of relate to that kind of, trend of putting your body through the mental stress and the physical stress on a given Sunday. And the sad thing, the sad truth about playing football or any sport is you only get judged by Sundays, you know what I'm saying? And you work all, you work all week 
to to perform at a high level and that's why it's so demoralizing when you don't win you feel me because so much goes into it you don't get to see your family you don't get to see your children you don't get to see your girlfriend or your your wife or whatever because you're sacrificing that time to become a better version of the athletic person you are so you know with that being said it's all about balancing i would always take that mental approach to incorporate small things you know whether it was in season or out of season i'm gonna push back a little bit on you i'm gonna push back a little bit we do play this game for our brothers we do play this game for our families mm -hmm. we do play it a little you know tab it for you know the fans but dog we also play this game for it's like i love this i'm doing this i'm the one doing these squats i'm the one that's that's doing all this work yeah. at the end of the day my dog you got to have that resonation within like job well done you set out yeah. what you wanted to do. You accomplished it. It's like, oh, I think it's personal. I had to give our own selves a pat on the back. Like, man, you did go out and you earned that. Oh, I, for I, sure. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Man, one thing about it, though, <laughs> and two things for certain, it ain't a lot of dudes that done did what I done did. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about from high school to college to the NFL. You, you just you see what I'm saying, and every time I talk to you know people who are close to me, they they would agree. You know, being a five star athlete in high school, not only a five star athlete in high school, being a five star athlete in junior college, keeping that same trajectory while you in college, making an impact the way I did. Not only that, making an impact in the league. It was like, yo, bro, like. That's one thing that I probably could say Tom Brady didn't even do, you know what I'm saying? Or even really Peyton Manning. It was like, yo, these folks, they was good in, in the league. But when you talk about the whole circle of rec ball, high school, college, you know, NFL, not a lot of people can relate. Yeah, and, and I'm not going to even ask you, are you retired? That, that ain't, we didn't even go there. But when I am going to ask you, you gave, yeah. me, you gave me a question. You didn't play last year. Mm -hmm. What do you miss most? Is it playing ball or is it the locker room? Oh, the locker room for sure. I'm for a sure. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> you know what I'm and saying? Like, and bro, ex explain it to the fans why it's the locker room because people just think Sundays is everything, which it is. But I'll really explain the locker room to people. Okay. Uh, going back to what I said, you can't. You can't coach or get guys going like you do everybody else. You see what I'm saying? Um, and I remember guys like Michael Orr, right? And uh, Orr, uh, the OG, uh, what's my man's name? Uh, Drake and Florence. Drake and Florence. You know, these guys impacted me in my career in a way it was like, yo, for Victory Mondays, you know what I'm saying? Enjoy yourself. But – if you ain't going to be focused come Monday, uh, Wednesday morning, which every that's the unanimous, you know, Wednesday morning is kind of like the full practice day or Thursday or whatever. Whatever you're doing on Victory Monday, it should subside and it should not be a distraction come Wednesday because obviously Tuesdays are, are um, you know, the off day for, for the league. But, you know, through it all, bro, that locker room interaction – you know, chest bumping guys, really being able to, or in game, looking at motherfuckers in their eye and like, bro, I need you. You know what I'm saying? That type of connectivity is something that you would never really 
kind of get back. But the, what I do now, I implement those type of relationships in my businesses. So the importance of everybody getting along with each other, the importance of everybody knowing exactly what the vision of, of the company is, uh, everybody understanding like, yo, you are important. You see what I'm saying? And everybody is not above being told that's wrong or that's right. You see what I'm saying? Like leadership can come from a rookie or leadership can come from a 15 year vet. It doesn't necessarily matter. So when I look, when I think back of the things that I've have accomplished, it's definitely, you know, the locker room interactions by far, because that brotherhood that you kind of have is something where you don't, you would never get that back. You know what I'm saying? And that's that. Cam, this coming from a retired dude, like when you do decide to hang him up, bro, do me a favor and do your very best to, tr to try to create the locker room as much as you can. Because when you're on this side, it's like I'm used to seeing my brothers every day, talking shit, you know, playing ball. And then you go from like, damn, that's, that's a wrap. You, you were here with the wife and kids. Yeah, yeah. And so I think dudes personally need to some way, somehow stay around football, whether it's with the seven on seven, whether it's you know, front office, coaching, whatever, like try to create that environment to where you don't lose your damn mind, essentially. Absolutely, absolutely. Man, I would always tease myself um, and, and, and everybody who was my teammates over the years knew I was king toxic, right? I, will, I was the one to ask the questions that, you know what I'm saying, that, that to get everybody kind of rolling, either in a team meeting or in a personal meeting, offensive meeting, it didn't matter. Like, I was the guy that, to kind of bring the lighthearted version to what we did, you know, in a way that if you were sitting at two and three, you know, the fans ain't really on your, on your side. I just wanted to, you know, have an energy where somebody would see me and they would smile. They would feel good, like, damn, we got hope. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, overall, bro, I'm agreeing with you. Like, it's tough. It's hard, you know, and – you know, when talking and talking to trusted advisors in my life, friends, family, loved ones, the thing that I miss most is the competitive energy that you can kind of, you know, lash out with. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, like when, like take our games, for example. Like if you tackle me and you get up and you say, fuck boy, I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> It's like, okay, that was what's expected. You know, yeah. you do that shit, try to do that shit at your local grocery store and see you what happens. You can't happened. do it. You, you can't to get do fired. it. You can't, you know what I'm saying? That, that, that's assault yeah. right there. You see what I'm saying? But yeah. that energy where you take, you transform, and you got to be a little cuckoo to play the sport, especially knowing that you're playing in front of eighty to 90,000 screaming fans, right? There's no other feeling outside of, let's say, in college is probably – the playoffs now or the national championship or like a rivalry game. There's no other feeling in the NFL that you get when you're playing that playoff game because every down counts. Everything counts. You know what I'm saying? And as you're running outside of that tunnel, you got to flip that energy from, you know, being scared and fearful to like, that's what I'm going to use to dominate this game the best way I know how. So, I mean, bro, now being thrusted into the real world, thrusted into like, you know, everyday life is like, what can I do? You know, I you know, recently took on tennis. I recently, you know, trying to took on like fantasy football and things. Do pickleball while you're just, at it. <laughs> just something that, could, that you could just lash out and just still be free and compete. Mm -hmm. Well, dog, man, I don't want to hold you up, bro. I appreciate you. I truly, truly appreciate you joining us. You a legend, bro. What you done 
on the field, what you've done off the field, and your community for the game, man, you're well respected. So this is coming from a linebacker, someone that knows ball. So, you know, thank you, man, for joining us. So, man, KJ, truly appreciate, bro, appreciate it. you, man. Appreciate you for allowing me to come on your platform, man. And, uh, man, for those who know, you know, it, it's tough. Um, but at the same time, leaning on uh, good friends that you pick up through the game of football is essential because not a lot of people can relate to, you know, the stress that you may get outside of the game. And it has nothing to do with money. It has everything to do with just the mental space that you're in. And I think a lot of men need to come together and, and, and speak vulnerable to each other to be able to have or, or to live at peace with themselves. No doubt. Hey, appreciate y'all joining us. Make sure y'all like, make sure y'all subscribe. Cam Newton, you want to, you know, plug, plug your podcast, Cam, while you at it. You know, you know, plug, plug your podcast. Man, listen, let me start with uh, tuning in each and every Wednesday to my uh, sports show, Fourth and One, for obvious reasons. Um, uh, every Friday, Funky Friday, will grace your uh, YouTube screen on my, exclusively on my uh, YouTube page and uh you know, I just try to use that platform of YouTube to show the humanistic side of who Cam Newton really is, man. Appreciate you.